1: So You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. My Christmas dinner is done and dusted, but I've still got stacks of leftovers
0: in my fridge, Barry. What about you? Well, we've got a bit
1: of ham left. Are <laughs> you trying some to of, eat all
0: those dollar signs? <laughs> we've got some of Jenny's mum's famous pineapple log that she always used to make when she was around, and now it's fallen to Jenny to make the pineapple... I don't know what it's called, but it goes really well with ham. In fact, it goes really well with anything. I love it.
1: My brother-in-law and his wife, they came up from Wellington making their way to Auckland. So they stayed Thursday night and we've got little gifts that they make these homemade spice um, peanuts mixed up. Oh, they're um, divine. And they also make the Christmas cake. So we get our part of the... Cullen Christmas cake. They've got those little bits of wrapped up in tinfoil. So there's a bachelor's button and a threepence and a shilling and the wishbone and other little things. And you always hope that you're going to get one of the little gifts to unwrap. How was your Christmas?
0: It was good. I also got a, a photo sent to me from my brother who was, took my mum and his wife and their new dog to Foxton Beach. And there they were on Foxton Beach under an umbrella with a glass of wine each. Christmas lunch. (laughs) Very nice. Lots of people on Fogden Beach, apparently.
1: Yeah, it's nice that way. I was doing some thinking. I thought we could have a little chat, obviously looking to 2022. One of the things I was reading about is people have various little bot words to think about what to do when you declare and also what to do when you're on on lead defending. One of these things was stop. So S-T-O-P, S is stop, consider your goal, analyze your opening lead. T is tally your winners and losers. O is organize your plan. And P, put your plan into action. Do you have anything that you go through the motions before you actually start as declarer?
0: Sounds pretty good advice from Zia to me. I got to confess, I don't stop and think as long as I probably should when I'm declarer. You know, a lot of the things that you do sort of become second nature in in a lot of cases. Usually I have a look and see how many losers I've got and what in No Trump, see how many winners I've got. And if it's not enough winners or too many losers, have a quick think about how I can get rid of some losers or, or invent some new winners. Do you also have a bit of a look at suits on their own as to what the best way to play them is, which hand you'd like to play them from? you want to play them from your hand or is it better if you play them from over there? So transportation between the two hands, it's always good to be able to get backwards and forwards, even if you don't know why. Yeah, it seems to be a, a common thing for perhaps players that haven't, haven't, you know, haven't been around too long is to keep all the good stuff in their hand and take all the good cards off the table. But that means that later on in the hand, when you want to get to dummy to lead up towards your hand, you can't get there. So try not to do that. For one thing... It makes it a lot easier for the defence if you take all the entries off the table. The defence know, well, she's never going to get back there again. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I was reading, Barry, was about leads.
1: And that one I came up with was real. Review the bidding, examine your hand, analyse what could possibly be going on and then lead.
0: I thought that was pretty good. Well, it is. You're working with not a lot of information when you make that opening lead. It's the toughest part of the game is the opening lead. You haven't seen the dummy yet. If your partner hasn't bid, then you've got very little to go on, really. All you've got is the opponent's auction and your own hand. So definitely worth taking a bit of time on that opening lead because it is the toughest part. Sometimes the opening lead might be quite obvious if you happen to have a sequence. But there are other times where, you know, there are some occasions where something that's not really intuitive say opponent opens one of a major so they open a spade part of it a no trump they've written two diamonds and their partner passes and leaves them in two diamonds what's going on they may like diamonds a lot but one thing they don't like is spades spades, so either you'll have some spade tricks in your hand or your partner will have some spade tricks in their hand a lot of the time what's the clearer going to do with those spade losers do you think
1: Well, they're most probably going to try
0: and get them out on the diamond suit. You're close. What they're going to do is they're going to rough them. On this occasion, it's nearly always right, and nothing's ever always right, but it's nearly always right to lead a Trump in these situations, to stop declarer from roughing their spades. And if you're lucky enough to get in again, lead another Trump. Almost from any holding, even if it looks really unattractive, you know, you've got King Jack Small, or whatever you've got, don't even look at your Trump suit, just lead one. <laughs> A lot of people don't like doing that, though, Barry. Oh, look, I'm one of them. I think leading Trumps is overrated in general, but in that particular situation, it's nearly always right because you just know what's going to happen. You can tell from the auction, you can actually tell what's going to happen. The clearer is going to rough their losing spades. You've only got one way to stop them you have the advantage of the opening lead. Get in there. If you've got ace and another diamond, even better, go ace and another diamond and take two rounds of them out.
1: That does sound like good advice. I wonder how many people actually think that way. I probably think, from the small amount of games that I've been playing recently, is that there's not a lot of people that actually do think of leading a Trump. However, if you've got a singleton in Trump and partners in a bit of a dilemma they don't know what to lead and they think, oh, this is too hard. I'm just going to bloody lead a Trump. It's not a, a well-calculated lead. It's probably the, the best or the worst because they can't be thinking about it anymore and leading a Trump. Probably not the best strategy, but sometimes
0: it works out better. Some people say if you don't know what to lead, lead a Trump. And leading a singleton Trump is very often a terrible lead for your side, straight through your partner's Trumps. So a singleton Trump I would shy away from. I know a very good player. He's played for New Zealand and Australia. He absolutely hates Trump leads. Oh. He says, if you lead a Trump, I can't rough it. <laughs> but does not like Trump leads. And, and I think he, he's probably got a point. And maybe it is a little bit of a lazy lead. Not, not always. Sometimes it just looks like the best option. And sometimes it will be best. But I know you've got a partner that, that often leads Trump, you know, that if they take a long time to lead, they lead a Trump. You know, I don't think that's a good reason for leading a Trump. I didn't know what to lead. I led a Trump.
1: So when you're yeah. defending and you're on lead and you've got a non-Trump singleton and you've got ace-king and an offsuit, would you consider playing the ace and then the king and then the singleton or your best move? What I think is to play the ace, let partner know you've got the king, play the singleton, hopefully think that they might have the ace. What do you reckon? What's the best line of play? Do the sequence or the singleton?
0: Well, nothing's ever that simple, is it? I oh, know. <laughs> Let's say you've got an opening hand or close to an opening hand and the opponents have been to gain. What are the chances really of you getting a rough, getting partner in in time to give you a rough? You really needed them to either have probably the ace of the suit you've got the singleton of, or maybe the ace or maybe the king of Trump, something good in trump to get in early enough to give you a rough. If you haven't got many points, there's a pretty good chance that partner will get in. Or if you know the partner has got some points, leading a singleton has more appeal. There's two contradictory sayings here. One is Benito Garozzo, many times world champion. He always said, if I haven't led a singleton then I don't have one. He always leads the Singleton if he's got one against the Trump contract. But the other saying is, God gave you the ace and king of a suit so that you don't have a lead problem. True. (laughs) So those are two opposing views, aren't they? Mm. As to whether you should lead the ace-king. So... I don't think anything's always right. I think with ace-king, I probably would tend to lead the ace or the king, whatever your agreement is, from ace-king, and then lead my singleton. But that may distract partner a bit, and they may think, oh, okay, I'm going back to your first suit. So it's a bit difficult. If you lead the singleton when you've got the ace-king or something, maybe partner can't read it as a singleton anyway. That's very true. It is difficult. Nothing works all the time, but I would tend to lead the ace from ace-king ahead of the singleton. But... I'd be prepared to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and as if that hasn't happened before. I'm it up to you.
1: what you going to do. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help?
0: Judge Julie presiding.
1: Good morning, Judge Julie. I hope your Christmas was fantastic.
2: It was that good that my grandson wanted to have it again on the next day?
1: (laughs) Oh, they're treats, aren't they?
2: He asked, can we have Christmas again tomorrow,
0: please? (laughs) Okay, now, it's good to see that you've made it back into Auckland in time for the Babbage Pairs at the Auckland Bridge Club. Are you going to play this year?
2: No, generally I don't, because Patrick is directing. I actually haven't really thought about it. But I often wear standby. by, so I'm not sure what he's doing about that either. So we'll wait and
0: see. Okay, now the question is, you're back in town for the Babbage, and I see that it's being held on Real Bridge, Julie. Now Auckland's going to be in Orange. Why could they not hold it face-to-face? Right, well, it's a really good question,
2: actually. The problem was that when we put the nights up on New Zealand Bridge and things like that, we didn't know what was happening. And we were at level three, and then we were at the red lights, and the orange only came in pretty late. Organising, catering, and mandating what the club was going to do because we were not opening to January, obviously, sorting out the entry fees and all the staffing is really hard as you have locked down for Christmas. So it was decided that we would do it online like we had set up because at that stage, the time frame for doing anything was actually starting to get really horrible. Mm. Now, so we're going to have it on Real Bridge and the details are on the New Zealand Bridge site as we normally do it over the
0: three days.
1: Cool. So we're hoping we'll have lots of people come
0: along and play. This is Mariana's question, so I'm going to let Mariana ask it.
1: Judge surely, as we're all getting used to playing on Real Bridge, I just want to know, when you're playing, when's the appropriate time to be using your opponent's speech bubbles, that chat thingy?
2: Okay, that's a really good question. So when we ask people questions about meanings of bits and say so we don't get an answer because, like, Barry, very clearly today is suffering from something... <laughs> <laughs> we need to get an answer. One of the things you can still do on RealBridge like you used to do on BBO is you could ask the opponent who made the bid. Everybody has their own private chat box which looks like the text message symbol that you get with your phone. And I'm assuming that most people that have managed to get to RealBridge know what that message symbol looks like. But it is underneath the name of the person that is um, that you want to talk to. If you click on that, you can send them a private message. You can ask them verbally, you know, what does your bid mean? Tell me by answering in my private chat box. That way the table doesn't see it. And that allows the auction can continue while people sort out clearly what very often is time issues with computers where you've got lag or things are going a bit AWOL on you. Or call a director. What you can do as a director is you can actually isolate people at the table. So if you call, I can remove your partner and the opponent's partner or just the opponent's partner, and we can ask the person who made the bid what the meaning is while the opponent is sorting out their issues with their internet connection. I see. So it's quite useful. I've used it a couple of times because clearly the person that they were playing with was having internet issues, or they were and they couldn't hear what was going on because sound or whatever reason.
1: I must admit, I have used it more in teams than I have in pairs.
2: Yeah, and I mean, most of the time we get an answer or we decide we can't be bothered waiting, so we're going to bid anyway and just rely on what we think it is. With the tournament coming up, the reminder that when things go wrong, you always call the director because that really is important. And we are playing a tournament, so we do need to be able to make the right ruling and do things that way. It is a proper tournament. Over the three days.
0: Getting back to more important things, what can we win? Are we playing for money?
2: I'm pretty certain there's prize money. We can't win Master Points, to the best of my knowledge, unless it changed while I was away. Uh, there were no, Master Points were not approved because we were, would be able to have it face-to-face because we learnt on the 17th of December that Auckland provisionally going to Orange on the 31st of December. Who
1: knows? (laughs) I don't know if it's a real issue, not having people register before the start of a tournament. One, the numbers don't really matter because you only need one standby pair, I guess, so that there's no phantom. So you don't have all that drama that you really need to know how many people are coming.
2: We always, always do this as a walk on every night. And yes, as long as you've got a standby pair, that ensures that there is no phantom, which is the main thing. And then it's just a case of looking at it. And because we do it Every year, we know approximately how many people to expect. Online is easier because you don't have to worry about the movements. We presume he's going to do Swiss Pairs. I don't know. It might be something different depending on numbers. It's a lot easier. You don't have to sort the room out and things like that. Yeah, It works. It works very well. Because it's over three nights, in some ways, I think it's probably easier than the walk-ins that we do on our congresses. Online is definitely easier for walk-ins. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: got two more questions now. One is... How many do they sort of getting for this tournament in recent years? And how many do you think you'll get online? We get around
2: the 30 table mark, depending on what's happening. We had one year where we had our normal average of about 30, 33 tables. And then we had 13 tables arrive off a cruise ship, which made for a rather spectacular night. That was quite a long time ago for that one. And we had room issues apart from anything else, but we did know they were coming. So generally around the 33 to 35 table mark, I would expect quite possibly that because it's over three nights, we would expect that we'd have more people from other places in the country compared to what we normally have, yep. because you can just come along and. Play. But there is an entry fee as well. I think it's ten dollars a night. That's right.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Because we do give out some prizes for this event, I really don't know.
0: Yeah. Hey, who knows? You might get more. Really, it's anybody's guess, isn't it?
2: Well, what's the weather going to be? How much are people missing bridge? And we have actually had a lot of people playing online. So, in Auckland in particular, there's quite a few people who are probably really keen to get back to the club. Unfortunately, those people probably aren't the ones that are going to come and play online anyway.
0: Okay. Oh, well, we'll just have to look out on the first night and see how many there are. Mariana and I <laughs> are going to be. Yep. No, are you playing to dinner? No, we're not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we so want to see that. No, we don't. Like a bit.
1: <laughs> Everybody be using their speech bubbles. No, don't do that. Don't yeah, no, don't do that. Okay. If you well, do have, do
0: that, don't say it was Judge Julie's idea.
2: Okay. So anyway, I hope everyone has a good week. A happy New Year, and I hope we are all back to face to face. The Auckland Club is running real bridge through. There will be various stuff available. So if you want to, it's always worthwhile looking at. Particularly, some clubs start later than other clubs. We are still doing but I just hope everyone has a really, really good
1: 2022. Same to you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> right. Thanks, Julie. See you in the new year. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond with Kermit. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Kermit, and happy holidays from wherever you are this year. Yes, well, I'm up at the Batchett... Amori, which is quite close to
3: Turangi, and it's uh, very lovely here, a bit overcast, but it's just really nice to be here. Not as busy and hectic as I thought it would be. I thought it would be chocker
1: full of Aucklanders.
0: Mariana's been making her way up to Auckland and the Blue Falcon.
1: We're playing in the Toto. There's only nine tables, so if yeah. the Aucklanders were itching to get back
0: to play face-to-face bridge, they're not showing it with their feet. Yeah, right. I, I often play in that, and they usually have, I'd say... At a guess around 15 tables, so nine's certainly not great. Not terrible,
3: fun. though. Oh, well, good luck for that. Today, I thought I'd talk about preempts. I've been doing a couple of week classes on preempts, and when I got talking with my students about it, I realized how much I love preempts. Preempts are kind of like a wrestling match someone opens a preempt, and that's really fun, and then the opponents have to decide how to get into the auction or if to get in the auction. And really, everyone's rolling the dice. Even to preempt, you're rolling the dice, aren't you? Because you're saying, well, I've got this long, wheat suit and I'm banking on taking some chicks in the suit and you have to figure out what to do if you want to bid over me. So everyone is kind of rolling the dice once somebody... Preempts, and I really like it. I think of, <laughs> I think of a couple of sumo wrestlers there, ready for the battle, and they make for some of the most interesting hands, don't they? Mm.
0: They do. So, just curious though, Pam, when you say you love preempts, is that when you preempt or when anybody preempts?
3: Ah, uh, when anybody does, because even though you. Under pressure as of the opponent, it's still fun. Like, I really like the wrestling match that goes on in those kind of auctions and those kind of hands. When people civilize, just bid to three no trumps and you have a sort of normal sort of game and defense, well, you know, that's all very well. But the real exciting hands are those ones <laughs> that are distributional and nobody knows who's sacrificing or. Who's bidding to make? I love that. (laughs) Whichever side you end up on, it's fun, right?
0: Not so much fun when they open three diamonds and you decide to chance a three-spade overcall, and then it goes double on your left. That doesn't usually end well.
3: Actually, I've had a couple of fun ones the last couple of weeks playing at Akarana, and one was where it was a double slam swing. So our side could... We could make six clubs and they could make six spades or we could make six diamonds as well. So there was everything from six clubs doubled making to six spades doubled making or the middle of the road, seven diamonds doubled one off. So that was cool. And then last week I had one where somebody we all know quite well, but whose name I won't mention, not that they did anything wrong. They made a very normal preempt at the three level vulnerable and got caught by the person sitting over them, happened to have a five card five cards in their suit, including the ace jack, and they got caught. And they were the only ones that got caught. Great stories come out of preempts.
0: I think one of the best Stories I ever heard. We had Larry Cohen on the show once, and he used to play with Marty Bergen, who was famous for his crazy three-imps. And the best one he ever did, apparently, was when he opened a week two with five spades to the eight. So he opened two spades, and the opponents had six spades on their way. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I don't think we have the methods to get there.
3: (laughs) Just on that subject of preempts and long suits, I've got some statistics here for you that I got off the internet, so it must be true. The odds of you having a four-card suit as your longest suit is about 35%. And the odds of having a five-card suit as your longest suit is nearly 45%. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? How
0: do you go on six-card suits?
3: Six cards, about 16%. And a seven card is about 3.5%.
0: Well, so that eight card suit I had the other day, what were the odds for that?
3: The eight what? card suit was about half a percent. I think I mentioned on the show that I got a twelve card suit yes. a few weeks ago. I had twelve clubs and I'm just trying to work out how many zeros there are. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's a lot of zeros. <laughs> just and I don't out of think I'm gonna see another one.
0: <laughs> I'm doing the calculations of the I've just got this what I was just about to say. <laughs> Before you have another 12 card suit,
3: <laughs> it's a bit depressing.
0: Thought, yeah, it's the odds are very, 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 very low. <laughs> you have 200 hands to get an eight card suit, is that right? When well, you said half a percent, didn't you? say? So, yep. yeah, so you've got to have every 200 hands that's eight sessions, isn't it?
3: Yeah, oh, that racks up pretty quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> to some
0: of us, <laughs> don't you think, Pam? I'm sure both of you have noticed, Mariana, that preamps have got crazier and crazier in recent years Uh, people are preempting on worse and worse hands Mm -hmm. what do you think I had one last night
1: when I was playing we were vulnerable they weren't and I had eight diamonds to the queen jack and I thought do I don't I and I thought actually I'm not so I passed and And did that work out uh, no, they can make four hearts. So I probably should have done it. I didn't have enough b <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so a l l s or o v a r
0: i s. What that <laughs> Mariana, did they bid to the four hearts? Let me look. Sometimes when you don't preempt when you've got a long suit like that, it is a bit of a surprise for the opponents. It can sometimes work out in your favour because, let's face it, nobody's to hold an eight-card suit.
3: Yeah, and don't you love that look on the opponent's face when they discover that they're just playing a kind of fairly benign sort of play, but the suit's breaking seven nil or something? I love that. I think I might have a mean streak. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: I will never forget. Once I sort of was a bit stuck for a lead, and I had this doubleton in an unbid suit, and I thought, ah, oh, oh well, I'll try that. So I led the doubleton. You never know; I might get a rough, and I led the doubleton, and partner roughed it. <laughs> <laughs> I only had an eleven-card fit in a suit that they'd never bid. The rough came a couple of rounds sooner than I thought.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, going back to your question of, do you think it's got wilder? I think as long as we have youth players, pre will always be wild. That's part of the fun, isn't it? I just think, you know, you've got the seven card suit, you mostly want to bid it. But, interestingly enough, sometimes when you pass, you do get to
1: come back into the auction. If you pass on the first bid, that's not necessarily the end. That's what happened with the hand from last night. I pass, left-hand opponent bid one heart. My partner comes in with two clubs. And I thought, oh, she's got some life. And then it was two hearts, simple fit from my right. And then I thought, right, I'm in. So I did. I bid three diamonds. Yeah. And then we ended up in four clubs, five off. <laughs> <laughs> so they I'm not us. sure what the moral to that story is.
0: <laughs> vulnerable, Mariana. Who was vulnerable? We were. Oh, not so good.
1: Yeah, so as opposed to four hearts making their way 420, we went off for 500. So that wasn't so good. I just thought that maybe I passed the first time, I should have passed the second time.
3: That negates the whole theory of no double, no trouble. (laughs) Because it was still trouble without the double.
0: (laughs) Perhaps you should have bid four diamonds, Mariana. That's right. There's an old saying that says never put down an eight-card suit in dummy. What do you think of that?
1: <laughs> exactly, Barry, well, yeah. So, Oh, uh, well, hang on, Lisa, it's trumps. <laughs> well,
0: that's oh, true. true. That's the other saying is, what do you call an eight-card suit? Trumps. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Okay. That hand actually caused a lot of problems. We were actually discussing it on the way home because at Anna's table, the person sitting east actually bid three diamonds with her eight-card diamond suit Anna had a void in diamonds so doubled and it went past 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 making so she got zero and then I said that's all right because I was at the other end I got zero at the top
0: (laughs) four diamonds is only one off that's correct so they would have got 200 if they doubled
3: this is the whole point of me talking about this today is we really remember those heads don't they (laughs) those are the really exciting they're the things that we remember sometimes that we Lie awake about or can remember <laughs> ten years later, those real wrestly hands. Oh, yeah, well oh, I'm oh. gonna love you and leave you now. I hope you have a happy and safe new year and I look forward to seeing you again
1: and I'll be interested to hear what your new year's resolutions are. Uh oh. Join us next week at the LilyPad
0: with Pam Livingston Bridge Coach.
1: See you.
0: Mariana, these Australians, do you know what's happened to them? No, tell me. Well, apparently, there's been a bit of a problem with the Bridge Zone link on the Australian Bridge Federation site. So we haven't been hearing it from any Australians lately. So if there's any Australians out there still listening to us, and I really, really hope there are, even if they're ex-Kiwis, they still count. <laughs> Send us an email. What is it, Mariana? BridgeZoneShuffle at gmail.com apparently it's now been fixed so you can find us on the ABF site you can click on the bridge Bridgestone and listen to us and hopefully let us know that you're still there So have a Happy New Year I hope all
1: your Christmases went well and we will catch you in 2022
0: Bye for now